If I hadn't run every part of my business and done all the weddings myself, and my husband stood behind the bar and we learned that, and you know we bust tables, we wouldn't know what we needed out of somebody we were hiring. We wouldn't know what was reasonable and unreasonable to ex- you know expect from that person. You don't understand the business. I don't care how long you've been in business or any other business. The business you want to start or do, do you know how to run every part of it? Offline, we've been talking a lot about AI, and I know that you guys as business owners are really busy and uh, coming up with you know, the banter and the intro to the podcast is a lot of work. So we gave AI a prompt <laughs> to come up with witty banter between Riley and Megan about the Ann and Ellis podcast. Okay. Okay. And I, you have not seen this. I'm texting okay. it to you right okay. now. Okay. But it actually wrote this out. I didn't change a thing. And okay, uh, I need you to scroll up. And, and it sounds like, Riley, you're going to start. Okay. I'm going to read this kind of line by line, but it, I'll, I'll read yeah. it as if it totally made it this came up. from me. Yes. <clears throat> I want to talk more about AI too and some things that are happening that's uh, really interesting. So, all right, are we ready? Yeah. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the Ann and Ellis podcast where we talk about everything related to the hit TV show, Ann and Ellis. I'm Riley Mullane, your host and super fan of the show. <laughs> And I'm Megan Knatz, your co-host and skeptic of the show. I'm here to provide some balance and perspective to Riley's obsession. <laughs> obsession? Come on, Megan. You know you love the show, too. You just don't want to admit it. Love is a strong word, Riley. I watch the show because it's entertaining, not because I'm emotionally invested in the characters or their relationships. Oh, really? Then why did you cry when Annalise broke up in season three? <laughs> I did not cry. I had something in my eye. Sure you did. And I suppose you also had something in your eye when they got back together in season four. <laughs> okay, fine. Maybe I shed a tear or two, but that doesn't mean I'm obsessed. Of course not. You're just a casual viewer who happens to have a poster of Ann and Ellis on your wall. <laughs> hey, that was a gift from you. And you loved it. Okay, okay. You got me. I do love the show, but not as much as you do. Well, that's true. I do love the show more than anything. And that's why we're here to talk about it with you, our listeners. That's right. Every week, we'll discuss the latest episode of Ann and Ellis, share our thoughts, opinions, and answer your questions and comments. We'll also have some fun segments like trivia, fan theories, and interviews with the cast and crew. And we'll have some friendly debates like who's the best character, what's the best season, and who should Ann end up with? Ellis, obviously. Not so fast, Riley. There's other options. Like who? <laughs> like, well, you'll have to tune in and find out. Oh, nice tease, Megan. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. I learned from the best. Oh, thanks. You're too kind. Don't mention it. So, are you ready to start this podcast adventure with me? Absolutely. Let's do this. All right, then. Without further ado, let's get into our first episode of the Ann and Ellis podcast. <laughs> let's go. That was so genuine. That was like, <laughs> yeah. how will anybody ever know that, that AI wrote that? It yeah. turned it into a TV show yeah. that doesn't exist and has posters. <laughs> <laughs> when I need a good laugh, I'm just going for it. I mean, nice. Well done. Nice try, AI, on that one. Yeah. There's some... But. Crazy things that are happening. Two things that I heard about when I was on the way here today. Number one, the godfather of AI, the self-proclaimed godfather of AI that worked for Google. He's 75 years old and he quit I just because saw he that. said it's like working on, uh, what was it, the Manhattan Project? Like when they're making the atomic bomb, he's like, this is what it feels like. He's like, I don't 
I don't quote me on the things that he said exactly, but the, to paraphrase, he was like, I don't look back at my work in AI as something I regret because somebody would have done it anyways, but they have created some really crazy algorithms that can um, basically evaluate an image and will tell you what's in it and reproduce images. Um, so that's crazy. So now a lot of people are like, he's going off the rails. He was ready to retire anyways. Like this isn't anything. He's just kind of like trying to get his 15 minutes of fame. Now, again, is AI very scary? It can be, but we'll talk about that maybe a little bit. And then secondly, I heard that the Writers Guild out in Hollywood are going on strike and they're asking for a lot of different things, as I'm sure they should. I, don't, I have no idea what they're all asking for. But one of it, one of the requests or asks or demands is they want AI regulated in a way where scripts can't be um, like you can't if somebody came up with a script. If I'm a, a script writer, you, you're not allowed to put that into AI to kind of church it up a little bit okay. like you can't touch it. And so there's other things that have to do with keeping like regulating AI where it has no place in that. And there's a lot of people that are like that's going to be impossible to do. I I feel very strongly like that's one of the things that scares me about AI is that there isn't original content that every movie script, every song, every, you know, poem is just artificial. But how do you regulate it? I mean, and that's the thing. I am not a conspiracy theorist or, you know, I don't fall into that except AI. The reasons he quit, I believe 1000% that's real, that it's going to take over so many things. Um, Anything in this world, unfortunately, that you can produce faster, easier, cheaper, and that can make you money, people are all over it, right? And that's what it's going to do. Yeah. There's going to be a level of us having to embrace it mm-hmm. to a certain point. Yeah. I believe in people. Mm-hmm. I believe in the good in the world. <clears throat> I believe in the light um, versus the darkness. And uh, I think it's going to be the Wild West for a while. Uh, like Elon Musk said, the uh, cat's already out of the bag. Yeah, so it's like it's, it's uh, already been created. There's there's no stopping it now. It's not going away. People are using it all the time. Um, if you use it as a tool and still put your spin on it, it might help ex- expedite your workflow a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think it's only a matter of time before the government gets its hands on it and either A, uses it for good or evil, but they're going to regulate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might be a while. And so right now we're just kind of in a weird time where yeah, uh, I, I think it can have some real, like you said, some really great positive things will come from it. I think especially like in the medical field, they said that it can decode, you know, DNA strands mm-hmm. and things faster. It'll, you know, things that related to health. I mean, there's so many great things that can do and there's bad things that can do just like social media. And I mean, everything has a, a dual side to Anything it. can be corrupted. Absolutely. Right? And, and everything and will, will be. be corrupted. But if you can find ways to use it for good, yeah, like save writing lives our or intros. Do, yeah, exactly. Something like that that's really good for humanity. Um, I don't see the harm in it. But yeah. uh, I'm kidding. I certainly, certainly <laughs> see the harm in it. And we will see a lot of harm in it. But yeah. I'm hoping that um, everything just kind of comes out in the wash. Yeah. I don't know. Nobody John, knows. That's the thing is nobody no, knows. Nobody knows. Um, and yeah, the things, there are some things about it that scare me, you know, especially when you're talking about like images of people <clears> and voices and John jokingly alluded to like, you know, you may not even need us here for the podcast, just a fake 
hologram of us and you can, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, you can hire AI. I say hire. How weird is John, that? are you real? Yeah. You can. I, I, I am real today. Yeah. I have not been in the past. Full we should disclosure. have an AI avatar that looks like you and see if people can spot yeah. the difference because yeah. they'll do that for a lot of like corporate videos. They'll oh, do yeah. an AI avatar. Um, I said hire. That's not the right word, but they'll contract produce an AI. AI like they'll yeah. hire a service that gives you an AI avatar that you can feed at lines and yep. it looks like a human. It's like today we're going to talk about the standard operating procedure of this plastics manufacturer and we're going to do this and you have to look really, really, really closely to even come close to decipher if that's a real person or not. It's pretty nice. And then like the deep fakes, you know, I think What's Joe that? Rogan commented on one of his podcasts that a lot of people are putting out deep fakes of him where he, it looks like he's saying something, but it, he, he never said that. Yeah, see, yeah. that terrifies me. That's... Well, because, yeah, because we, James was even telling me about this thing where you can upload your voice and then yeah. have it the mumbo jumbo that it does. Yeah. And then you can produce. So, like, there was something that somebody messed up. We haven't tried it yet, okay. but that is, I mean, I could see it helping, but it also, like, if you, I could see people taking disadvantage of it. Yeah. There was a story or that I heard. I forgot who told it to me, but it, it was told with Melissa and I terrified me as a parent this teenager 13 14 years old was on a ski trip somewhere and the mom got a phone call i told you that you yeah did? it was when maddie was over right maddie remember that day oh okay yeah okay. Well, yeah yeah but keep telling the yeah, story Sorry. yeah um that it was a call from her and her voice saying mom help me, I need money, or this person needs money, and they said they're going to do this to me, and da 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 And it was, it was her voice. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like a, a guy get on mm -hmm. the call and was like, yeah, that's right, you know, I need this, that, and the other, and I need you to wire over this amount mm -hmm. of money in order to save your daughter. That is terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. terrifying. I don't have Snapchat. Snapchat has an AI feature too, I, I think, right? Maddie, do you have, yeah? It's like an AI assistant or something, or how does... Mm. You can add it as a friend. Wow. So you have fake friends. You don't have a real friends. You have fake friends. It's interesting. <laughs> Did Maddie say Yeah, she is. Yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, those are my friends, Megan. Where do you want to go to eat tonight? They're like, we're not real. I'm thinking sushi. What are your thoughts? <laughs> it does. It That's feels like a, good a, a little bit Thank like you. a sci-fi movie. Right? Like, is, you know, when it gets to that point, like, is that a real human on TV? Or that is that a, you know... I, we it's, talked about it last time. You have to watch Black Mirror, please. Okay. Black Mirror. All right. Am please. I going to get freaked out and not want to come out of my house for a week after uh, I watch it? I don't know. Probably just won't turn your computer on or your phone. It's fascinating. I know. I there's know. there's one where uh, a husband dies and because they have a log of everything that individual typed on social media the algorithms learn the personality. Okay. And so you download that personality into um, basically a walking, talking, kind of robot-looking human. A new body, yeah. And it talks to you. So like, you know, if I, God forbid, died, and I've, I mean, the amount of stuff I've posted and put online or our podcast, Even, you're an algorithm yeah. away for that, formula to know okay we've captured riley's personality and how would he how he would respond to a question you would ask me yeah 
And so it's like, I'm here. Even just it's like, your, I never go away. Your phone, your texts, yeah. your, you know, it could take all of that information and just create a new you. Yeah. Part yeah. of me is like, could you just create a new me and real me goes, you know, to Hawaii and sits on the beach <laughs> yeah. and AI me does the work. Yeah. Especially just <laughs> responding to emails. I would just have that. <laughs> yeah. That would be sweet. Okay. That'd be sweet. Yeah. See? Responding to your- I'm ready to abuse some AI. <laughs> yeah. Sure. If you didn't have to answer emails, AI answered it in vernacular and the with they the way have, you would. They already have that. They do? Yeah. It's like- Why do I not? Jasper or something. Can oh, yeah. Now, again, is it perfect? No. Is it 60, 75% of the way there? Absolutely. And in five years, will it be 100% of the way there? Absolutely. So I think there's going to be a lot of mundane tasks that we do that just take up time. Because yeah. when you think about an email, all you're doing is just responding to a question. Question. Yeah. And so, Whoa. It's, but the, the downside is you have to use AI a lot for it to yeah. understand your patterns and behavior or else it will never be even close to accurate. But once it starts getting precise, yeah, and it, and it will get there. I mean, it's, it's going to get there. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what it does to the workforce and what industries thrive and which ones die. They kind of equated, I was listening again on the way here, and they were like, this is kind of at a point in time where teachers back in the day were like, you can't use calculators, that's cheating. And it's only a matter of time before you're forced to embrace it in some capacity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that brings up a good topic because, um, I, I mean, I, it's so interesting. You can see the benefits. I would rather have somebody answer my emails and me be able to sit in person with another human and have a conversation about work rather yeah. than spending 10 hours on my emails. Does that make yes. sense? So I think that's a good trade-off. Do some people think that's icky? I do answer my own emails now, by the way. Um, but, you know, I spend a ton of time doing that, yeah. right? So, but then the learning factor, if it takes over, you know, like Jack was just complaining about his math class, right? He's very good at math, but whatever concept they're working on, it's beyond, he's in very high level math. And he got real... <laughs> I kind of played a joke. He's like, when are you going to use graphs and linear, whatever? I'm like, dude, I use it every day. Yeah. And he's like, what? He thought he was just so worked up. He thought I was serious. I'm like, yeah, Riley. And yeah, I use that all the time. And he's like, I'm like, I'm kidding. I don't. I said, but the benefit is you are growing your brain. Yes, you may not use that, whatever, graphing thing that you're doing, but your brain's growing. You're learning, right? That's where I think like the calculator, it's like trick is or using it is it's not cheating, but your brain as you're young is just learning new things and new concepts and you're becoming a more well-rounded human. Mm -hmm. When that goes away, because we don't have to learn it anymore, we don't have to learn short, you know, math, shorthand math, because why, like it would be sort of a waste of time in some yeah. respects. Yeah. But is that going to make us as a human race just like, you here's, know, I don't here's know. I don't my theory. Here's, here's my theory on what is on the horizon. And I think it's one of two scenarios. May not be just one of two, but mm -hmm. at least two of these scenarios is what my theory is. Okay. So scenario one, a lot of people believe we are in a simulation. Now I'm a man of faith myself, mm -hmm. right? Believe in a higher being, a higher power. And uh, you're kind of destined for certain things and you can manifest more things in life than you can realize. There's a lot of people that think we're in a simulation and they, they think that because when you break down D 
DNA and there's a certain code for it. I forgot what it's called. But everything tends to be ones and twos. So like when you break down certain plant DNA and like uh, there's a certain code for it, Um, that it's a lot of ones and twos, which is very numerical and it's very much like a code. Like when you program a website, use a lot of different coding to create something that you can look at aesthetically. And there's like Elon Musk, he thinks we're in a simulation. Okay. He's like, there, we have no way of, of knowing or understanding how good technology can get because you look at the, the Oculus or like the Quest 2 that, that mm-hmm. your son has. Mm-hmm. You put that on long enough, which I have. I don't, I don't have one, but I borrowed your son's. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Jack. And I was watching a Dave Matthews concert. And I was in a position where the guitar tech normally is to the right of the stage. So there's a 360 degree camera and then there's one up by Dave who's singing. And I'm not going to lie, that's good enough for me to not go to a concert. Like like, wow. like that one. Like, okay. yeah, I could spend... Now, by the way, a lot of that is 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 these greedy ass promoters and Ticketmaster and all these Sure. convenience charges sure. and like get the hell out of here going to an nba game an nfl game a family of four to be able to do that by the time you park so a lot of that stuff they bring on themselves because of greed yeah and just selfishness right okay i'll put this on and i'm going to be ringside at a ufc fight mm-hmm. or i'll be ringside at a boxing event or an NFL game and you can sit courtside. I think there's an NBA, it's like the league pass or something that isn't quite figured out yet, but it will be. So we're going to either immerse ourselves in very little human interaction. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, why would you and I come and do a podcast in person when we can put whatever we have on and it becomes more like integrated into like something we wear, like contacts or something like that, mm-hmm. where you can't really decipher if we're together or not. It's the same feeling yeah. that we're together. And then you look outside and it's like, well, what about yards that need to be mowed? What about snow that needs to be cleared? Uh, what if you have to get groceries? Well, groceries can be delivered via drone. Uh, snow. I mean, they already make fully automated lawnmowers. Mm-hmm. Fully automated. Yeah. Cars that drive themselves. They vacuum. I mean, you know. they, or they vacuum. They um, oh, that'd and, be, and they do yeah, vacuum well, too. Right. <laughs> it's like dream just have yeah. like 20 Roombas in your house. Yeah. But they mow your yard every day and they go back to their docking station and they're fully charged and they mow like half an inch every day. It just feels like a movie, like a, a movie of some fake yeah, for sure. society. So so it's either that and, and I'm sure yeah. we can all agree when we hop on Facebook and Instagram, we're bombarded with ads that say things like how to grow your following, how to fully automate your YouTube channel to monetize um, your channel to make a million dollars a year by doing nothing. What I think might end up happening with social media, with Instagram and Facebook and TikTok, is that you're going to have so many people that are going to have hundreds of thousands of followers that in today's world, it's like, wow, you must be somebody who provides a lot of impact. How would you have that many followers if you weren't providing impact or mm-hmm. speaking a really great original thought or truth? or conveying a unique philosophy and critical thinking, I'm going to follow you and I want to learn from you. It's like when I look at nutritionists and things like that. But if the vast majority of people start getting hundreds of thousands of followers because they've signed up for something that was through chat GPT or something that Mm -hmm. falsely inflated their following, 
that whole platform is devalued. Yes. So it's not going to mean anything anymore if somebody looks at my profile and there's 235,000 followers. That's not going to mean anything mm-hmm. because it's it's going to feel very artificial. So will our human pattern and behavior and kind of our tribal instincts say, okay, I'm going to shy away from that type of interaction and I'm going to seek human connection. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to watch a podcast. I want to be in a room with other people. Will it be a mixture between those? Will it be like two different camps of people? Right. Like the survivalists and they all go off grid and they are AI deniers or like they just, they're like technophobes, right? Where they don't yeah. want anything to do with it. Or is there a way where it integrates? I don't think it's going to be all in. I think it's going to be kind of picking and choosing how you want to yeah. integrate those things within reason. But I, I agree. could be dead wrong. No, I, I agree. And I think there'll be areas of life that get taken over by it because it just makes sense and it's more cost effective and it's and people are making money doing it. And I think I agree with you. I'm still very much a um, human being like I that I, I like the human connection. I like that. I, it feels better to me all the time to be connected with people. And I think the majority of people will feel that way or to see things that are authentic and see people out making a, a difference in the world. Um, I went really quick. We'll talk about this and then we'll jump into our business side of things today. But I went and saw uh, Rain Wilson. Yeah. Uh, he was at, in Iowa City. Uh, he has a platform, a, a book out called The Soul Boom. And it really, as this AI thing is starting to really happen and as with the mental health crisis, this is a book that really kind of, I think, or I hope what we'll see is kind of recenters people into a, a spirituality. I won't go down into the path about it, but he's the quote that he uses, and it's not his, but is that you're a spiritual person having a human experience, right? So I think with that, and that's how we connect and kindness and the helping people, I think that is still just going to be such a great yeah. part of it. His book is really, really good, Soul Boom. Um, yeah, he has a great platform. I And I think that platform and, and that is going to stick around, but it's for sure going to get, it's going to be changed. I agree. I think what we're experiencing right now <clears throat> may feel like the tools that we're using will give us satisfaction, but it's not giving us fulfillment. Yeah. I think there's a big difference between satisfaction and feeling fulfilled. Absolutely. And I don't know if we're ever going to truly feel like as humans feel fulfilled by uh, technological Mm-mm. iterations of being on a beach in Hawaii. Oh. Like, will it ever get that good and that advanced that that takes the place? Now, will those opportunities be good for somebody who um, is really afraid of flying? Right. And they don't ever sure. Sure. want to hop on a plane. Absolutely. Can technology exist that it gets you over like PTSD, yeah. right? Or maybe you have social anxiety. And now you can put on this headset and you're walking down a really busy street in Manhattan and it kind of trains you mm-hmm. if you're uncomfortable and big. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. There are <laughs> benefits know. for sure. I agree. I think there's always the positive side of it. I think if COVID taught us anything, when we had to go to digital platforms for so many things, Zoom calls, and we had to be away from other humans, I mean, the mental health crisis crisis exploded, especially in young people. And young people 
I think social media is fantastic, right, for so many things, especially for business owners. It's a great way to grow your business and to get the word out about what you're doing, but you still have to have the human piece. Kids are using social media like we didn't in that way, and they're the you know mental health crisis is is off the charts. So it's not helping them. It but there is that population of people that allows them to connect who wouldn't have connected at all. So yeah. It's got it's got its good and bad. I think it's fascinating to learn about. I think it's really interesting to see what it can do. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, we should open up every episode. I, yeah, just... I, I want to see it get like better and better. Like, no, we're not a TV show. I want to um, see the sitcom. I want it. I want to have it yeah, write a sitcom pilot. Yeah. I, I love that. It's it thought we were a TV. Well, show. from what I'm told, Chat GPT accesses the internet, but they only go back to 2021. It's 2021 up oh, to current day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you ask it about certain things, it's going to be off. Okay. Because it's only collecting the data from 21 and beyond. So cool. So cool. It's Interesting nuts. stuff. It's I'm nuts, sure we will but... talk about it again. And and we'll talk about we even had a conversation um that can definitely be an episode is how how will it affect our industry, the wedding industry? Are there things, you know, if you're looking long term, what are the changes that are coming? I was just chatting with a friend of mine who owns a salon and you know, you wouldn't think AI would affect them. Oh, absolutely. It has, there's different things. So I think we should make it an episode is what, how's it going to change the wedding industry and and what we do? Um, you could have it write your vows. You could. Yeah. yeah. You could. I mean, there's so many things that you could have it do. It can be a catalyst for ideas at yeah, this for point. Sure. For, for sure. sure. But- it is. It's kind of a can be a creative starter or kind of jumpstart you to still do something that, yeah. you know, you can Don't run from it. I'm telling you, do not run no, from it. I'm not saying to... fully embrace it with open arms, but I'm telling you. To utilize it in it. a positive way. But I promise, well, I don't know if I should promise this, but I will, I'm, I will promise, promise it. it. It will already always be us sitting in these chairs as Riley is glitching right now. Can somebody fix him? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it will always be us. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about things that we actually did, not AI, (laughs) to five things that we did to start our businesses, right? We have taken a look back. We're well down the path of being business owners, um, down that journey, what we went through. We hope in this podcast and with our online platform in general, we can share a lot of great information. And so we kind of picked up a heart, like what are some interesting things, maybe some obvious things too that that we did when starting our business mm-hmm. that could hopefully be helpful, either whether you're looking to start a business or if you're in it, um, you might want to ask yourself, right? And kind of yeah. kind of do a check-in. <laughs> so the one thing that I looked really hard at when I started my business, um, and remember, I started off in the, the wedding industry. I started off as a dessert person. That's how I got my start. Then I built wedding venues. But I really analyzed whether I wanted to do it as a business or as a hobby. And I think in the creative space, we have a lot of creative people that we work with. They really need to ask themselves that question and they need to understand what goes into running a business and being a business mm-hmm. owner, right? Mm-hmm. So what would you say for you know, DJs? How is it different as a business than if it was just something you did a few times a year because you know you enjoyed it? Yeah. And I always try to think outside the box in regards to starting something that you want to monetize and do full time versus doing something as a hobby. Yeah. And that is no disrespect no. to any wedding professional that does it. 
uh, part-time, um, but you do operate your business completely different to a certain extent. I mean, you still can show up and want to do a really good job as a hobbyist. Sure. But when you are living and dying off of supporting your family mm-hmm. um, with being in the industry that you're in, you have to conduct yourself a little bit differently. You have to plan ahead differently. You have to work harder, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think the the number one thing that you would you tend to adjust is the client communication and, and the way that you set up your communication flow with a client that if I worked a nine to five full time and I did X, Y, and Z thing on the side, it's going to be really hard to find that same level of importance in getting back to that client as quickly as you can within reason if you're also doing something else that's really important that's putting food on the table and keeping your lights and heat on in your house those roles it's kind of reverses yeah, you know what is. i mean i just see a lot of people being a little bit more lackadaisical yeah because they're not living and dying off of that hobby right, right? it's a hobby by definition that's what it is for sure for sure i think some people i also think you have to analyze what you know what is your week if you going to look like if you said i want to do this as my full-time job what does that mean um we're going to be talking about going from a nine to five to a 24 7 right most of the time when you own a business if you're the owner or you are it's it's a different ball game and i think you need to look at it is this something i would like to do just on the side every now and then is that going to keep it interesting for me or do i want to make it the thing that I earn money off of, it usually generally changes the amount of time you have to put into it, like you said. I also have um, a great example. One of our planners, um, I just worked with her this past weekend. She doesn't do it anymore because what she she loved parts of it. And I don't mean that every part of your business has you jumping up and sure. you know cheering in the morning. There's things that everybody likes more than others. She loved the like day of, right? Being there and executing. She did not love all of the work that went behind it, the the meetings, the note taking, the keeping track of things, mm-hmm. the constant emails. And so for her, she's like, I don't want to do this full time. I like this part of it. So she found now a, a way she can do it. It's not a hobby-ish, but sort of, right? And she was honest with herself about this isn't how I want to put food on the table. This isn't what I want to hang my hat on. So I think business owners, if you're in it, um, you need to analyze, is, is this what I really want to do forever and ever, amen, and make it in my nine to five. If you're thinking about starting a business, you need to say, okay, what does my week look like? What does my life look like if this is a business versus something I do on the side? You're entering into a whole new dimension of life when you are an entrepreneur who starts a business and you want to do it full time. Yeah. And there's certain things about the new dimension that you're entering that you just have to accept or you need to make your way out of that and do something mm-hmm. else. But like you said, waking up in the morning knowing that there are things that need to be done to successfully sustain your business, that's part of the dimension that you're in. It's very similar when you live your first X number of years of life uh, without kids. Yeah. You're enjoying life. You have certain roles and responsibilities. 
you seek enjoyment and fulfillment in certain things, and then you get married. Again, that's another dimension. And then you have kids. And that puts you in a dimension that is impossible to even explain where everything gets adjusted again. Yeah. Where things that you find yourself just naturally loving and doing and it wasn't anything you ever pictured yourself doing before kids. Right. It's like I'm changing a, you know, poopy diaper at three o'clock in the morning. If somebody said, hey, do you want to go come and change a diaper at three o'clock? It's like, I don't, who the hell wants it? <laughs> you have kids. It's just a part of yeah. what you do. You love it, right? Not You not love it as it's an object. You, you love like, it, but it has to, you love the my child. My analogy was like for kid or yeah. for, for a job. It's like, you're going to have to change the diapers. But if you love doing what you're doing, it's all part of that process. Yeah. But you have to be ready for it. And it's yeah. going to make you turn into a different person. And, and to me, that's really exciting yeah. for all the right reasons. It changes a lot if it's a business versus a hobby. Mm-hmm. And you have to have a really good handle on that. Great way to do that would be chat, to, chat with someone who's doing it. You know, it's their full-time gig and ask for them what changed when you did started doing this full-time. You know, um, I agree. The next thing that we brought up, and you and John can speak on this a lot because you've uh, you really did this well. I I really didn't. I was like, I'm going for it, and I don't know if it's a good idea. No, <laughs> but but it would have been great to do this. Talking about a focus group or almost a filter group to filter your idea. So you have an idea for a business, or you're in a business, right? And um, maybe things aren't quite gelling or going well. Is to find a group of people. Um, and John, you can explain this really well based off the conversation you had with your wife of probably outside of your friends, probably outside of those people mm-hmm. who will tell you anything that you do is great, right? And any idea you have is great and really filter through your ideas and uh, decide if uh, the business is for you. And you did this. You had a focus group. And and so talk a little bit about that and, and how that yeah. is something you did when Go starting ahead, business. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, what I love so much about this idea is um, my wife is really great. She's unfiltered and I, I love it. So it sounds like what I'm about to say sounds like critical feedback, but I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it so much and I always welcome it. But we, uh, I learned a lot of video stuff in the church that I grew up in. And so at some point when we decided to turn this into a full-time business, um, she said, I want to make sure that you're actually good at the job and it's your your ego isn't inflated by because when you're in a church community everything you do is amazing sure (laughs) Sure. even if it's not good um you know and and you can kind of see that with just like christian entertainment i would say it's it's got like it's just definitely not the same quality i mean um so she just said like i want to make sure that the product we're delivering is on par with industry standard and um i swear i swear to god that that made me hustle even harder because i'm like i'm gonna show you that we can make something really cool yeah. and so enneagram three coming in yeah. high. <laughs> so which i am and yeah. so like um i just i feel like why surround yourself by yes people because ultimately like there's just so much more potential and you get to feel your feelings and figure out your passions when somebody tells you to really think about it or maybe alter it a little bit. So. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And Absolutely. That's, that's a great test. If, if somebody challenges you to say, are you really good at this, you know, versus just people telling you you're good. If you feel it in your gut that it's something you really want, then that tells you something, right? Like right. you felt you're like, and if you're like, oh, I don't really know, then maybe it isn't for you. And that's okay too, right? But yeah. Well, because um, I even yeah. remember telling one of our pastors at the time, hey, I want to go to school for graphic design. He goes, well, you're going to have to move to California for a job. And I've said, no way, no way. This this is going to, because it was right as at the cusp of social media being a thing. And sure. anyways, it's just like, yeah, I appreciate the feedback, but let's go, baby. Yeah. Yeah. You just, yeah. you just fired me up and that's exactly what I needed. And sometimes yeah. whether it's critical feedback or not, you need feedback. You know, you again, do. you don't want to surround yourself with everybody that just blindly agrees and says, yeah, do it. You know, mm -hmm. you want individuals around you that can be very honest. And 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 so um, I, I did. I, I I was a part of a focus group and uh, my buddy, Jordan Montgomery, which I know John does a lot of work for uh, for his um, kind of organization and brand. Uh, we got to know each other really well through his wedding planning and then um, through a couple big events that he put on called The Summit. And this was at a point in time where I was branching out on my own and I had what I would like to think was a pretty concise idea of what I wanted to do with um, like venue consulting and just being more involved with other wedding professionals on the consultative level. And so he said, I tell you what, what we should do and what I've seen work really well in the past is that we start up a focus group. And the only type of focus group that I ever heard of was when they launch a new sitcom, they bring in a focus group of mm. people with all different like um, different ages and mm. live in different parts of the country and because they want to see how many like laughs per minute sure. and things like that just to kind of test out the tempo of the sitcom. And so that's kind of what I thought of as a focus group is just a bunch of people evaluating and judging what you're doing to tell you if it's good or not. And I said, yeah, let's do it. You know, I was a little bit nervous and he ended up compiling like 25 people. Wow. Um, it was in this uh, third story of a bank in, in Coralville and West Bank. Uh, Jim Connor put that on. So shout out to West Bank and Jim. And again, always think of those guys that just gave me a chance to come in and pitch. I mean, these individuals, they're busy. They're running mm -hmm. businesses and Jordan recruited them. Jordan's the master of recruitment and relationships. <laughs> 100%. And, um, you know, at 12 o'clock, he had 25 people in a room and it was out of a movie. You had 25 people seated around a table. I was at the head of the table and I had a slideshow and it was all kind of like, all right, show me what you got. We'll give you some opinions and advice and feedback and let's go. And, um, and I did. And so I, I I pitched it and I love to pitch ideas. As you know, I'm a little bit obsessed with pitching ideas and big picture items and I'm very much a futurist. And I felt it went really well and I was proud of how I um, conveyed my messaging on what I wanted to do. And some individuals gave really great feedback in real time and then others sent like an email, you know, maybe mm -hmm. some that maybe didn't want to speak up in front sure. of 25 people about why they had questions and how maybe this was off or that was off. But I'll never forget the individuals that took time out of the Brandon Riley. He works for Van Meter in a leadership position. A great, great guy. Just incredible guy. Wrote a super long email about, you know, I love what you're doing. Here's some of my thoughts. It's just number one, that to me was 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 just like I want to 
provide that karma for somebody else yeah. one day. Yeah, absolutely. And and that continues to drive me. It's like if I can be in that position and get really great feedback from people that are very successful in their respective industries, that's what it takes to get to that that next level. And I'm I'm just a huge believer in having people in your corner. Mm-hmm. And I've said this multiple times, I'm going to say it more and more and more as this podcast continues. And I say it in all of my coaching with our with our our, our DJ um, trainees. Who do you have in your corner? And do not give me the names of your parents, or even your husband or wife or your best friends. With all due respect, they don't they count, but they don't count with what I'm talking about. Right. Sure. Building a business, they aren't. You know, you have to have people that have had experience walking down the path. Yes. You know. Who can you go with with an intentional ask? Yeah. Absolutely. And if. You can't answer that question. You need to do some work in the networking world. Yep. You need to join um, the chamber of commerce, whatever you need to do yep. in economic. I, I don't know. Figure it out with whatever market you're in. But you've got to start meeting some strategic partners. And again, I've said this quote a thousand times, probably a million, is your network is your net worth. It's all about who you know. You can be the best at something, but if nobody knows who the hell you are, you're one, two, three connections away from 10xing your business like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was number 3 on our list was things that we learned as you know starting a business or building a business that were really valuable is building a network. That network is going to provide you with a path to you know to watch somebody and hopefully we're doing that with our podcast. It's like these are the mistakes we made. We both have networks. We both have mentors. Um we're, we'll do a podcast too on how to how to build a network. What are, if you're like, I know nobody, like I'm starting, there's ways you can do that. Yep. It could be people in your industry, some of my mentors and my network. Um, I think you can use network and mentorship kind of interchangeably a little bit are not in the wedding industry, right? And then I've got people that are. So yep. um, I've learned from people that are outside of that. And it's just so valuable for even an ask of, I need something, I want to learn from you. Um, they can be part of your focus group and your filter on ideas. There are people that that know more than you. Typically, is the best way to look at it. People that are allies, but people that are have have experience or that yep. and that are good at get it, giving critical feedback. Yeah. Too. One thing that Doug McAllister, who owns Pinnacle Realty in Cedar Rapids, who I mean is just crushing awesome. it. Yeah. Doug is awesome. Yeah, yes. I think him and Hope did they open up like a golf simulator? It's close. It's I think it's their soft opening is yeah. soon. Just, oh, I mean, awesome. they're out there. Just That'd be fun, making. fun group activity. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We should for sure do that. I haven't golfed in two years. We were talking via text message about we need to go out yeah. and golf, and I'm like, I want a really easy course and a place yeah. that's cheap because yeah. I'm gonna lose. 25 balls probably while <laughs> I had a side of a house one time in Burlington that kind of goes That's to show. I can hit a ball backwards. I'm swinging forward, but the ball went backwards. <laughs> oh so my gosh. That is, I've yeah. heard of that happening. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, rare. Anyways, he's like, think about networks this way. He's a very well-established guy, knows a ton of people. Um, I'm not going to call myself well-established, but I do know a ton of people. He's like, think about this for a second. I know a hundred people in business that you don't know. In small Cedar Rapids, yeah. when we have two different networks and you tap into each other's network, yeah. it's like there's not as much crossover as people think. No. Think about 50 people that's in my network that's not in yours. Yeah. Yeah. And say, yeah, right? Exactly. 50 people, 50 yeah. people that you could reach out to or 15 people that could reach out to. And what you're going to come to find 
in all of these networking groups, because some are better than others, you're going to find professional networkers where that's all they do. And they just talk and (laughs) talk and talk and talk (laughs) and talk Mm -hmm. and talk some more. (laughs) Just a little bit more talking. Yeah. (laughs) And then you're going to find one or two people that you put in your corner. Yeah. And those individuals are in your corner forever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anytime you need something and anytime that they need something, you know what it is. Yes. Yes. And and the reason it's important to do that is because if you do need something, it doesn't feel gross. You know, I I unfortunately know some people that I don't hear from them or see that until they need something, right? It has to be somebody that you engage with and that you've, you know, just developed a relationship and that you're reaching out to. And we'll have a whole episode on how to do it. And I think how to do it in a healthy, mm-hmm. you know, the right way. But it is it is really valuable. I think people especially solopreneurs or entrepreneurs, they think, I've got to do the work. I got to put in the work. I got to put in the work. You do, but but having the network and the is, is huge. If I'm huge just starting a wedding business, you know, regardless of what vendor type it is, I'm just starting, right? I quit my nine to five and I'll just use the example. I'm here in the corridor and I'm a photographer, just starting out, right? I've got a great looking website. You know, I post on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok once a week, whatever, whatever quota you want to meet. I'm spending 95% of my time taking venue owners out for coffee, buying them lunch. I'm meeting with DJs. Mm-hmm. I'm meeting with cinematographers one on one. Yeah. One on one. I'm not just messaging them on Facebook and Instagram saying, I love your work. I'm doing everything in my power to create and nurture and maintain a relationship with the people that you need to have to sustain your business. Venue owners, you. Yeah. And providing them some value. I love a good, you know, can we get coffee and I can pick your brain? I love even better. Hey, can I take some pictures of your team and your venue And then you give me some feedback. I mean, I love, there's a value for value exchange, right? Because I think that's really important. You know, um, it can feel a little bit gross if somebody just wants you to tell them how to do it or just wants you to give them your time. Our time is really valuable. But if they're like, I'm going to give and will you give a little and we can give each other. Yep. And like, yes. So we, again, we've talked about, we will do an entire episode on like, how do you do that? How do you start? How do you start building a network? And how do you realize who makes sense? Again, it doesn't have to be people that are totally doing what you're doing. It should be people in your industry. Obviously that makes sense. But then there may be some people outside of your industry that will work too. When I first went out on my own as a DJ, we knew each other very well, Mm -hmm. strategically, right? Yep, we did. We weren't nearly as close of friends as we are now. Mm -mm. We certainly weren't business partners. You owned Ashton Hill. It's a very powerful venue. Every time I went in there, I tried to do my best and tried to go above and beyond and worked my ass off. So I earned your value, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Or yeah, I earned your value. Or I earned, what am I trying to say? Something. (laughs) What am I trying to say? You were, you I wanted you to look at me as I a DJ that came value. in and represented your venue very well yeah. with a lot of value. And mm-hmm. you would offer, you'd be like, if you need anything, you need somebody to come out and, um, you know, DJ something or what, if you need something, you yes. get in a bind, like, let me know. I'm your guy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy really cares about my business. He cares about my time. He cares. Yes. Yeah. And so when I went on my own, what did I do? I called you and Nikki. 
Yeah. Said, can I take you out for coffee? Mm-hmm. I want to talk about something. It was like, what, the next day or two days? Yeah. I said, I'm out on my own. Is there any way that I could be considered an in-house DJ for Ashton Hill? And you said yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm forever indebted to you for well, saying that you because be. you gave no. me opportunities. No, I am. <laughs> I, I mean that wholeheartedly. I am. Start cashing it in. But I was comfortable asking you. <laughs> yeah, she takes, you have no idea the cut she takes every single time I'm there. <laughs> The Ashton Hill tax, but um, eighty twenty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, not even going broke. We've been eating ramen Eighty-me, noodles every head. night. A lot of sodium. Looking at ramen noodles every yeah. night. So yeah. can't afford to eat them. <laughs> no. But I felt comfortable enough to be very intentional with what I was asking yeah. for, and it's not a place of being selfish or greed. It's hey, here's what I think I've done. Here's why I think I could be an asset. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. And my hope was that I could make your life easier. So, you know, when people are booking Ashton Hill, and this is a while back, that it's like, I'm going to set them up with Riley. They don't, they don't have to book me. I wasn't exclusive where you book Ashton Hill, you have to have Riley. But it put me in a really good position where I could at least have the ability to talk with your clients first. And then if mm-hmm. I was booked or whatever. So you have to really put yourself out there and work your ass off. So that person that is observing and looking at you um, with a positive perception um, they see value. Yeah. And then you can start to ask. Provide Absolutely. value and then you can come Absolutely. to the table with that ask. I get so frustrated when there's vendors, especially if we're talking to vendors in the industry that get grouchy about, you know, well, I don't, uh, this person, you know, doesn't promote me or why don't I have business the there? Time. When is the last time you called them? When's the last time you offered them some help? Mm-hmm. When? It, what have you done for them, right? Have you, you know, said, hey, I would love to uh, showcase your venue on my next post. Uh, I'll, you know, are you following and commenting on their posts? Like people expect this value exchange and they get, especially with venues, to be honest, right? Um, they're, they want to be in a venue. And if they're not, I, I've, there's the vendors that are at our venues a lot or that work with our, our venues a lot, our vendors, I hear from a lot Mm -hmm. that connect with me a lot that, you know, we, and I, I know their work and, and I'm like, wow, this is a, you know, they've worked hard to get into our venue. And then I'm like, and they, I've mentored them all the things, but it's just, it's a mutual exchange. And so having that network and that's your network, yeah. they're building a network. And we all, um, I would advocate for anyone, any vendor who, you know, is, uh, working hard and shows their value and connects with us. Yep. Uh, you can't expect, don't get grouchy if, if you're sitting back in your business, quietly wait, and no one's getting getting a hold of you yeah. to promote you. You go to them. Yeah, it's like really exactly easy to what... blame other people when that's happening. Yeah. Again, gonna rattle a cage here for a second, but why not? It's our it's okay. podcast. We can do whatever the hell we want to <laughs> do. Um, for some of vendors, for some of the vendors that are not on our or within kind of our Ananellis agency mm-hmm. team, right? Mm-hmm. It's so easy for them to criticize how we do business from the outside looking in when very little, if any, have ever reached out to say, is there a way, Riley or Megan, we could just grab a coffee or lunch. I want to learn more about the Ananellis business model and how it works in conjunction with the venues that you're a part of. You don't do that, right? Nope. They, they haven't done that you. ever, ever. <laughs> because you know why? It is so much easier to get together with the same group of people that want to criticize and hate and spread negativity and talk about 
how we do business and why it's the wrong, whatever the topic of conversation is. I'm sure we've been a topic of a lot of conversations. Sure. I find that flattering, by the way. Yeah. Because you know what? That's the easy part. The hard 100%. part is swallowing your ego and to say, wait, 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 before we start criticizing, let's talk with them. Yeah. I just want to learn more about what they're doing so I can form an opinion. What a thought, right? Yeah. What about, we live in a world where it's really hard for people to form an opinion based on the education they provide, right? Yeah. And I lose a lot of respect for the people exactly. that I know that are talking behind our back, which is fine because we can't control it. And I keep it positive all the time, baby. But it tells me all I need to know about who you are personally and how you operate professionally. I will leave it at that. 100%. I will add to that. I will rattle that cage a little harder, just a little bit. I would say I totally agree with you. People that form an opinion, if you didn't hear it from my mouth about what we do and how we do it, then you don't have all the information, number one. Number two, at our venue, the, the venues that Ann and Ellis is a part of, our clients can hire any, venue, yep. any vendors they want to. And I say that about 10 times when I meet with a client. You can hire anybody you want. Open field. Here's some people that have come to me and that I've seen in action and I think are great. And here's, I, I, I recommend them, hire anyone you want. But I say that 10 times in a consultation. If you're a vendor and you're not in our venues, that's on you, not me. Amen. Right? That's on you. If you're marketing, if you're not getting in front of clients, if you're not connecting with a venue, and it's not just my venues. If if you're not connecting with a venue, if you're not getting out in front of clients, that's on you. <laughs> that's not on a venue or, or an Ann and Ellis or anybody else. That's on you. And so it 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 just a little, that's a you problem, not a not a venue problem, not another vendor problem. So um, so yeah, so the network is is a mutual has to be a mutually beneficial exchange of you know whatever knowledge services yes. worth yeah. i can't imagine criticizing something or somebody without knowing anything about it or Thank always hearing it. about it from a third party or secondhand yeah. or through gossip people do it all the time yes stop it yeah and the majority the vast majority of couples that we're blessed enough to work with that work with Ann and Ellis and end up investing in our incredible mm -hmm. vendors, end up booking them. Yes. So gee, it's almost like our process is working, <laughs> right? Surprise, surprise. And I yeah. would love for the vendors out there that have no idea how we do business to reach out. I'm more than happy to talk through right. it. And maybe it's not for you. Maybe you have so much volume, you don't even know, you what, know what to do with it. And you're saying no all day long, 100%. then great, we're not for you. But at least take 30 minutes out of your day. We can even do it over the phone. 100%. There are vendors that you and I, you know, that have built such an incredible business off of their own hard work that their plate is full. Yep. And that is cool, right? And, we, and, and we've had those conversations. They don't need extra people to market for them. Agreed. They've done it the right way, right? So if you feel like you don't have enough business and you're frustrated with that, look at yourself and you're, that's all, that's a you problem. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you don't understand why something is going one way or another with any venue, any other vendor, you're wondering why aren't we working together? Um, you need to be able to be an adult yeah. and have a an adult conversation yeah. with that person, not talk to another vendor about that person. Yep. So, woo. Yeah, we're fired up. I would just yeah. add one thing. 
I've always felt like there's enough work for everyone. There is. And one thing that I've found very valuable was was uh, there's two videographers that are friends of mine. One of them had his own business, decided that he was going to stop that. And because I had made friends with him, guess who he was referring to when he yes. took this other job? Yes. So I will say that. But then also I've been in pinches where somebody's like, hey, I got an event coming up. I'd love to get this on video. Well, I'm already booked, but what if I sent X, Y, Z? So then you're a, a, you're a problem solver too. There's enough work for everybody. There yep. is. There's there an overabundance of work yeah. for There's an overabundance of work. And um, again, this is probably an episode topic for a whole nother day. Not every client is for you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in our industry, people try to hang on to every client, and that's where business can become tough. And I get it. When you're trying to make an income, you want every client to come yeah. in your door. Um, some vendors have a better the better or easier ability to filter clients. I feel as like as a venue, I have a space people can rent, you know, so it's a little bit more difficult for me to filter. But you have to keep in mind that not every client is for you. And I, if we have a date that's booked and the client is stuck on that date, I absolutely recommend other venues. They might not even know that I do that. Yep. I don't know if that's happening back and forth. I have the idea that there's enough to go around. Yeah, I absolutely. do not get hung up it's on It's not the um, scarcity mindset. We don't have that. No, you know? not at all. Don't, do I try hard and work very hard? Yeah, probably more than most. But. Yeah. I just, you know, I, there's nothing more that fires me up and I heard uh, Jocko, is it Jocko Wilnix? Who is it? I don't know. I just call him Jocko. Jocko. I, <laughs> yeah, Jocko. He's a, he was a Navy SEAL, black belt, jiu-jitsu. I mean, just a super intense, amazing dude. And there was a clip of him that was like, when you're hating, I'm working. When you're criticizing, uh-huh. I'm working. Love when it. you're negative, I'm positive. It's like, you're not going to stop the no. hustle. You're not. Yeah. You're just not. No. And so life is so much easier to just get to know um things that you life is a lot easier when you take time to better understand the things that you don't understand absolutely right? and that's it and i'm trying to do that every single day oh, constantly working on it constantly so, working on it get a little fired up i love it whoa so, so that was all is. to say build a network and again i think we need to talk about how to i think some people do have network twisted they think Indeed. who do i like reach out to to like do stuff for me no no, no 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 we'll talk about that later and if you think networking is an obligation you're doing it wrong Hundred percent. That's a you problem. That is a you problem. We should have an episode of what is a you problem that could yeah. be a time. Have a T-shirt that says "Special You four, Problem." Four hour episode. Four hour yeah. long weekend or weekend retreat on what's a you problem. Okay, so the other thing, uh, the fourth thing that we both did, um, and and I did this specifically because we've got a lot of different roles. Is I learned every part of my business and ran every part of my business before I hired anybody to help me. What a concept. Mm-hmm. So if you are going to open a venue specifically, uh, if you are going to run a business that where you're going to need people to work for you or with you, and you don't know how to run that business, you don't know what a huge mistake. If I hadn't run every part of my business and done all the weddings myself, and my husband stood behind the bar and we learned that, and you know we bust tables, we wouldn't know what we needed out of somebody we were hiring. We wouldn't know what was reasonable and unreasonable to ex- you know expect from that person. You don't understand the business. I don't care how long you've been in business or any other business. The business you want to start or do, do you know how to run every part of it? If you do, and then you need help, 
go hire some help. Yep. If you're if you're delegating a venue tour and you don't even know how to give a venue tour effectively. Bad idea. (laughs) It's not going to end well. Right. Bad idea. If you're giving away a consultation to somebody and you haven't done a consultation yet, if you're asking someone to go do a floral setup and you don't haven't done that particular setup before, how do you expect someone else to do it if you don't know what needs to happen? If in in yeah, just bad when, idea. When you're blindly delegating a role, a responsibility to somebody, it never, ever, ever, ever ends well because you know what happens, you know what comes to the surface is emotion and frustration Mm -hmm. because you're frustrated that it's not happening. Have you trained them? How good are you at the thing you're delegating? Mm -hmm. To me, the definition of delegation is giving somebody a task that you outgrew. Yes. And you can kind of... That is perfect. That is perfect. You don't hire someone until you've outgrown, like you've done it, you know what it takes, then, then you can hire someone to do it. And any, and that's any role. I mean, that's even like the venue, like cleaning it, right? Because if someone came in, if I had never cleaned my venue and they said, it's going to take me 10 hours and I'm going to have to charge you $1,000, I'd be like, all right. Well, no, it actually takes five. And, you know, just simple things like that, if you break it down all the way up to very high level things, you know, if you're like, why isn't this person making a sale or why isn't this going well? If you don't know how to do it, then don't hire someone else. And that goes far and beyond just the wedding industry. It's any business. Yeah. Oh, scaling yeah. is the hardest thing you're going to do in business mm-hmm. to scale successfully is unbelievably hard. And sometimes damn near impossible in some industries, mm-hmm. because if you have this essence of a brand that maybe was passed down from generation to generation, right? It's a restaurant, it's a bar, it's a doctor's office, it's a dental office where when people came through that door, they were entering into this culture of like, you're greeted every single time this way and the music is always this and the lighting is this and you start to scale it. I'm going to open up one of these on the other side of town. Mm-hmm. Is it consistent? Because that's how a lot of businesses fail is the yeah, inconsistencies. Right. Absolutely. But you wanted more money and you wanted to scale yeah. and it's cool and you can tell people you have five locations now. That means nothing if the person scaling doesn't know how to really define the ins and outs and all of the moving parts and pieces and the components of how you really can manage that well. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? absolutely. Yeah. Do you think chain restaurants, when they open a new one, it's the same protocols. It's the same. Yeah. Everything is the Franchise same. Franchise model pres- works well. Yeah. Yeah. It's prescriptive. You have yep. to, and you have to be good at it and know what works um, before you start another yep. one. So hundred percent. This last one, the fifth thing that, that uh, I learned, we learned um, starting a business is on the financial side of things. It might be a little interesting to people or, you know, may work for some, may not for others. Um, my in my case, building venues, I was seeking a very large amount of money. Um, venues to, aren't cheap to build, are they, uh, Megan? Not really. Uh, I was naive <laughs> in the beginning. I when I first built my first Ashton Hill, I walked around like a little naive person with my business plan and my numbers, and I went to banks. And what I learned very quickly, and maybe I'm the only person who doesn't know this, but banks don't lend money on concepts and they don't lend money that you don't have in mm-hmm, asset. Mm-hmm. So if you are looking, and again, I say this with caution, if you're willing to, t- I'm a risk taker, probably sometimes very, um, I'm very, I take big risks. I'm not afraid of that. Don't, probably not the wisest thing to do. I'm not encouraging anybody to always be that risky. I used investors not banks. Mm-hmm. Um, Some private it's, financing. It's very, very hard to get 
a bank loan to go out and start a business. Now you can, and you can take a second mortgage and you can do those things. But I'm, I'm talking if you need big capital to, to make a move, um, I sought out investors. I didn't know when I started that that's the way I would go. I didn't even really know that was a thing. But I'll explain the way it first, that happened to me at first. So I was walking around. Nobody was interested in financing the build of a, you know, million plus dollar buildings, right? And so what I ended up doing was I was renting retail space from a gentleman who was in the real estate world. Mm -hmm. um, and I had the idea for Ashton Hill. And the type of person I am, I'm like, I'll ask everybody. You know, I'm, and my husband was like, nobody's going to do this, right? The other thing in which we, again, a whole nother episode is how do you pitch? How do you pitch an idea to somebody? What are they looking at? They're, you're probably surprised at what they're looking for versus what you think they want to mm -hmm. know. Um, most investors anyway. I pitched the idea to him. I said, here's how, what I think it can do financially. Now, I had all my numbers. I had all of that. So you have to know what you're talking about. And he was in. You know, he invested in it. Uh, I Now I solely own it. So there and was he invested a in you. That's the key. That's something that tends to be missing in banks is they don't give a shit about no. passion. And they don't. <laughs> Some banks don't, but they just they they have a prescriptive formula. And I get it. Uh, that's it's what a bank is looking at. Your idea could be Google. They don't invest in ideas. They right. invest in what you can, how you can pay back the money they're going to give to them. It doesn't. I'm not knocking banks. It's just they work off a prescriptive formula. Investors invest in ideas and humans. You know, and so this investor, it worked out. I, he's, uh, I, you know, and you all, we have an extra strategy. He's, I bought him out of the mm -hmm. the business. Um, but that's the way I went. And so I would love to help people learn what that world looks like. So it, the first time um, was just somebody I knew who I figured had understood real estate was knew the world of what I was wanting, which was a physical building. Um that would have the capital to help me figure it out. Um, there's downsides to using investors as well, which we can talk about, but that might be, I think so many people think, I gotta go get a loan from the bank. I don't know that that really works for a lot of people. No matter what, there's a risk, but you can gain access to some of the money that you need I outside have, of the world of banking, period. It is possible. I, it's, yes. Interest rates are gonna be a little higher, but Bleh. if you believe in it yeah, and you look long-term and you play the long game, that's why Nothing I, wrong with I have it. told you every anything is possible. I mean, there's there I don't believe that I believe that uh opportunities are endless. I believe that the money is there if you there are people looking to invest in great ideas. If you know, it's whether you want to take the risk, right? Whether you financially want to put yourself in a position <laughs> to do that. Uh how much do you believe in this, right? So again, that's you have to be careful. I, I, I don't want to send the wrong message to someone. You should go get a million dollar loan. You know, remember, you're responsible for paying that back. But um, but if you understand what you're getting yourself into and you're being thoughtful about what you're asking for, it, you can do anything you want to, Agreed. I think, financially. I don't think that should ever stop. And having a positive relationship with an investor is a beautiful, beautiful yeah, thing. Those I'm not, have become my mentors. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I'm not going to mention names, but I again, have communicated and have gotten to know the investors very well. And we've had collective conversations and dinners together. And that investor talked in length about how much he believed, not just in the project, like 
okay, the money's one thing, the project, okay, something mm-hmm. you built tangible, okay, fine, yeah. He believed in you. Yeah. And he loves your personality and your work ethic. And to me, it's that judge of character. Yeah. How do you think successful invent, uh, investors became successful? Like, how do, how do you think they got there? Mm-hmm. Is because they not only believe in the project, they believe in the people behind it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that probably is more important than um, the project sometimes mm-hmm. or what the numbers show you can do or not do yep. on a piece of yep. paper. You know, yep. you have to have all of that. You have to have thought through things. But most investors who are savvy just are like, thanks for the business plan. Let's just talk. Yeah. Who are you as a human? How are you going to make – why are you doing this? What are – you know? Um, so, so I think that's interesting maybe for people to understand uh, as you're looking at opening a business or interesting things that we've done. So – Kind of to recap, gone investors, not banks. Uh, banks are great. Uh, if if what you need works out, you know, go for a bank. Absolutely, they're there. They've got creative solutions. Um, but that's just not the approach mm-hmm. that I took, and it's maybe a very foreign concept to some people. We can talk about it more. We really worked on building our network even before we we got into it, and we're constantly working on building our network. Right? I Every mean, day. Um, we are have so many great mutual relationships with people. And it's just, it's, it's great. And that's, that's our network. Uh, we put things through a filter and a focus group, right? If you, I would say that's even really valuable for people who are in business right now. Wouldn't you say, and, even if you're yeah, not Yeah. And our focus yet. group is our team, by the way. 100%. I mean, we talk about that all the time during our retreats and team meetings. We're pitching ideas and they're pitching ideas and we filter it in and out. Yeah. So a focus group doesn't have to be a bunch of people outside of your industry. It can be your team. As long as you have a team that you trust enough to know they're going to shoot you straight if the idea is not a real great one. I agree. And don't and take I, it personal and move on. I think it should be not only when you start a business, I think you should constantly run things through yeah, filters. Like totally. while you're running a business in the middle of it, are we on the right track? Right. Yeah. Sometimes um, you get just a little off course and you need to come back. And so you or a new yeah. idea, you and I have done this really well. We get a new idea. We get excited. We take a step back. And we filter it. Sleep on it. Yeah. <laughs> Wake up the next morning. Or you text uh, or voice message your business partner at 10 at night and I... Saw right. logs. Yeah. So a few of those, you know, when we're filtering ideas, that's a fun process, but it's a constant. It's a constant process. It's not yeah. a one and done. We have learned every part of the business before we hired help. Yeah. So I think that's key. Uh, we learn it. We understand it. We know what we're asking for and what we expect. And we've made sure that we wanted to do it as a business and not a hobby. We analyzed it as a business versus a hobby. A hobby business can be done well as a hobby, like a business endeavor. But when you're separating it out into it's your livelihood, it's your everyday thing, you have to take a different look at it. Yeah. 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 That was a very comprehensive podcast. Hopefully that is helpful to somebody. Total random side note. Do you have a favorite place in your house where you sit? Um, yeah, I mean, you know where we kind of gather is at the island in the kitchen. Yeah. Kitchen's yeah. a very popular place. Yeah. yeah. Mine's my, uh, recliner. That recliner and I go way back. 